John Bozica, 1480 WHBC. Now, we have talked so much about COVID-19 here on this show. I mean, pretty much for the last year, it's basically what we've done on the daily. There have been some days where we've taken a break from it, but almost every day we try to cover something in relation to the coronavirus. Today, we're going to do that again, and we're going to talk to Dr. Joel Duff, professor of biology at the University of Akron. So we go to the phone line and we bring in Dr. Duff. Dr. Duff, how are you this morning, sir? Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's let's get back into it. I mean, it seems like we've been on this for so long. It seems like we have been down this path so many times before, and yet again, here we are talking about it again. I wanted to ask you this question, Dr. Duff, because I don't know. I'm starting to feel like life is a little bit more normal again. And I, I guess the question I have is, are we close to the bitter end of this thing, Dr. Duff? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be on here and be able to not just be the Debbie Downer and uh, give you all the gruesome news. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling a lot better about where we're at. I mean, it doesn't mean we don't need to be diligent about things, but um, we have a lot of tools in our tool bag and we're putting them to use now and they are showing uh, real effectiveness. Why do you feel that we are closer to the end than we've ever been before? What is it that's changed the game so much? Uh, speaking as a scientist, I think we have the evidence now to, uh, to be able to support better policies. And I, I think that's some things we're seeing as changes are, are the result of a lot more data that's come in. So, for example, um, we are now finding out that these vaccines are much more effective against the variants that you and I have talked about for months as possibly being a problem. And we have the data to show that they are being very effective. Remember, this was kind of a, a face-off. Remember, we talked a couple months ago about how this, these new variants were coming into the country at the same time we were rolling out the vaccines. And the question was, what was going to happen? And I said it was a race, you know, which one was going to win? And we can see now that the winner is the, is the vaccines. They are suppressing the, uh, the variants, and uh, we now have more evidence to show, like laboratory evidence and just the evidence from, from all the people around us to show that they are being effective. And so I think we have reason to hope that that, that is going to keep that viral load very low in our, in our population going forward. Dr. Duff, did you expect the vaccines to be effective against those variants, or were you a little worried at some point that they weren't going to be? Oh, I was certainly worried. And um, no, I, I, I expected it to not be this effective. I don't think anybody could have, have predicted that they'd be this effective. And uh, much of this has to do with the, uh, the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna in particular are spectacularly successful. Uh, and I, when I say that, I say that's compared to other vaccines for many other diseases that we've developed in the past. These are, uh, there would be an argument to make these are the most successful virus that uh, humans have developed at this point. Is there any reason, as Dr. Joel Duff is our guest right now, professor of biology at the University of Akron, is there any reason at this point, Dr. Duff, for people to be worried that a variant could again redevelop itself that could be effective against the vaccine itself and we could be back to square one? Is there any worry for people about that right now? <laughs> well, we could say there's, there's always a chance, but um, those chances are, are greatly reduced over what we said before. Uh, think of it this way. This virus has been mutating for quite a while now. It's tried a lot of its tricks in its bag. It's not a very large virus, so it's pretty much tried out almost every variant it can to see how effective it would be against us. 
Um, and it's running out of options. I think what we're seeing is that we're not seeing any new, any new particular variants arise in the last couple of months. They're just variations on a theme. And now we know that all those themes we have an effective vaccine for. There's always a chance there'll be some crazy combination uh, of mutations that will do something very different. But as I said before, that chance is becoming very low. And added to that, we're ready for that. And we will be able to develop a vaccine very quickly if that were to happen. Do you think we'll ever live in a world without COVID anymore? Or are we always going to see certain flare-ups during the time of the year, Dr. Duff? No, I think it's here to stay. Uh, I think almost all experts believe there's there's no way to completely um, get rid of it. Um, there are other coronaviruses we've that are circulating and have been circulating for 100 years. Um, this will become one of those, and but I think it'll be become very manageable. Um, the if if you're vaccinated, your chance of becoming sick is probably less than your chance of becoming sick being hospitalized if you didn't get vaccinated for the flu. So in other words, it's it's less harmful than the flu at this point if you're vaccinated. So if someone receives the vaccine, because this has been a question that I've had a lot of people ask me, they've said, what happens then if I get it and I have the vaccine? And also, how is that possible? A lot of people have asked me those questions, and I haven't really been able to give them accurate answers. Could you kind of, you know, put some light on that for us? You mean, how is it possible that that, that you would still get the, the Yeah, how is, how is it possible that you would still get it? And if you did, what would potentially happen if you had it after you've been vaccinated? So uh, human beings, are, 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 our bodies are variable. Um, we have different immune systems, and it can't, we can't know for sure how everyone's immune system is going to interact. Some people will take the vaccine, and maybe it doesn't build up the antibody load it needs to be effective. The other thing is, is that uh, the amount of vaccine, the amount of virus that you're exposed to uh, very much affects your, um, I guess, your path uh, and so if you have a child not vaccinated, is sick, has a very large viral load, and they're sitting on your lap and they're coughing in your face, you're going to be receiving billions and billions of viral particles. Even if you're vaccinated, um, those viruses are going to have a chance to enter some of your cells because you can't protect every cell at every moment. And they will begin to cause disease. Now, the good, the good result, the good news there is your body is, your immune system is prepared and it can fight it off, and you won't get very sick. I mean, look at those Yankees players. Somebody was probably unvaccinated, had a high viral load, walked around, exposed a bunch of players. They, some of them, one of them got enough symptoms that it raised alarm, they got tested, and then they tested a bunch of other players or other uh, staff members. And then they found out several others also had, um, were positive, but they were asymptomatic. And if they had never been tested, they would never even know they had it. Very similar to chicken box. If, if a child in your class has chicken box and the rest of the kids in the class are, are vaccinated, uh, if you were to test the other children in that class, you would probably be able to identify the fact that they actually were exposed to the virus, probably had the virus, probably were slightly infected by it, um, but never got sick. And that's the same way with uh, this virus. Dr. Joel Duff is my guest, professor of biology at the University of Akron. Dr. Duff, moving forward for our country, for the world itself, what can we do to make sure that we don't fall victim to another pandemic this large? Are there little ways that we can change 
our ways of living to make sure that something like this wouldn't throw us for such a loop the next time around? That's a great question. I, I think part of it is uh, I'm optimistic that we've learned a lot from this. And, and part of that learning is, is how countries communicate with each other, share data, um, and have new tools that uh, we can fight off future diseases with. But I think at the individual level, I think we're all much more aware of uh, viruses that float in the, in the air. I think that uh, we've gotten over our, well, you know, a lot of people don't want to like to wear a mask, but I think we've gotten used to seeing people wear masks. And I think if there's another outbreak of something, we will more readily take some of the measures we need to take. We might not have to be as draconian because we might have more, um, more individuals taking individual efforts, which will make a big difference. Do you think that it's too early for us to look at like lifting mask restrictions and, and lifting mask recommendations? Or do you think it's the time for us to tell people that they don't need to wear a mask? Do you think the CDC is correct at this time? Wow, that's a tough one. Okay, so I, 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 I'm, let's, let's face it, the CDC has a, a problem on their hands with uh, how they uh, project their message. And uh, I read all of their materials and what they've done is they've said, if you're vaccinated, there isn't any reason, you know, which you're, like I said before, your risk of disease, of becoming very ill or dying is less than if you were to get the flu. And so considering that we don't take all these efforts against the flu every year, um, you should be able to return to normal. Now, um, that got conflated with dropping masks altogether. And so there's a lot of confusion out there. I don't, I have to leave the sociologist up to figure out what's the best method. I know the CDC is trying to encourage people to get vaccinated. They're trying to say, hey, look, if you get vaccinated, you can go back to normal, whereas your neighbors can't. Um, but that's getting, uh, you know, so does that mean everybody can do whatever they want? I think that everyone needs to be careful if they're not vaccinated. But I don't know what those rules should be. Uh, in place. I don't know how governments and businesses should react to that. Well, and that vaccination rate, as high as it may seem to some, like, I mean, over 230 million people have been vaccinated at this point. I think we're almost approaching 250 million almost to a point. But despite that, that's still not enough. How can we encourage that, like, final, like, quartile of people to decide that they should get the vaccine as well? And what do you think the holdup is for those people? Well, I think we need to continue to give out good information. And I think that one of the things you're doing in all the different discussions you've had is you're pointing out facts about uh, uh, vaccinations. And I think there's a lot of misinformation. So counting misinformation is probably the most important. I think there are ways to entice people to do it. I don't know if I wholly agree with the Vaximillion program, but the <laughs> idea there is that, hey, you offer people a chance to win money. Maybe they're maybe they'll be willing to be vaccinated in that case. And I think that there are individuals amongst the crowd that aren't vaccinated that might be tempted by that. I saw a uh, graphic. I don't know if you've seen it. It was from the state representative in this area, Thomas West. It was that Mike DeWine was known as Mike DeWonka and that that was his golden <laughs> ticket that he was giving out. So I have seen people sharing that. And, and you know, I mean, I know that that may seem kind of outlandish to people that we have to go down that path. It it kind of does to me. And, and I guess I just wonder why we've had so much questioning of this thing when we know the science is good. 
You know, why aren't people listening to science anymore? Why, why do you think that is, Dr. Duff? Well, I think you stumbled on it right there. You're saying we know the science is good, but there's a good segment of our society that doesn't trust the, the science anymore. They'll say that, well, science said this, science says that masks don't work, science said, you know, and people use misinformation in order to convince people that, well, scientists don't really know anything. They're always changing their minds, right? Uh, Fossey's changing his mind about masks. I view it as we get more information and we make better choices as we learn more. But there's a good number of skeptics out there about science in general. So if we were to say, just give people the facts, um, they have to trust the facts and they have to know the facts are real. That's a huge stumbling block. I, I and my colleagues deal with this all the time. It's very, very difficult uh, to convince people of the truth simply by giving them logic and facts. You have to get them sort of at the core of where they're at and what their, what their problem is, and it's mistrust, and we have to rebuild that trust somehow. Dr. Joel Duff, professor of biology at the University of Akron. Dr. Duff, you know I always appreciate the time, and uh, now that things are finally relaxing down, let's try to get together and grab a beer as well, okay? Sounds great. Have a good one, Dr. Duff.